When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 106. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield. Thank you so very, very much for tuning in. Today's episode is with a special guest. Her name is Jasmine Starr. And quite honestly, that's kind of a cool name that I just want to keep saying. Jasmine Starr. She sounds extra special, right? Well, quite honestly, she is. Jasmine is a branding and social media expert. And today I brought her on the show to talk about social media specifically. Now, first, let me tell you how I met Jasmine. I was at James Wedmore's mastermind in San Francisco a few weeks back, maybe a little bit more than a month ago. And I was there as a special guest. I got to present on how I grew my business. And then I got to sit in on the mastermind. I talked about this before a few episodes back on one of the other episodes, but the point is that when I was at this mastermind, Jasmine was chosen to do a 20 minute talk about social media to her entire mastermind group. And when she got up to speak, I thought, oh, this is going to be great, but I'm sure she's not going to teach me anything new. I mean, I teach social media, so this is going to be good, but I'm not going to knock my socks off. Now, I know that sounds very arrogant that this is what was going through my mind, but it was social media. It was an area that I know well. Well, the good thing is Jasmine did knock my socks off because she got up there and for 20 minutes, first of all, the girl is a fast talker. So get ready for that. But she got up there and she shared some things that were either brand new to me or just great reminders of things that I was not doing. So sometimes when we learn things, especially in areas that we feel we know best, you got to ask yourself, well, you might know this, but are you actually implementing it? And a lot of the stuff that Jasmine shared at that mastermind, I was not implementing. So I've kind of changed my ways with a few things, and you'll hear me talk about that in the interview with Jasmine, but I asked her to come on and I said, will you do that exact presentation for an episode on my podcast? Because I think my listeners really would find it valuable. And she said, yes. So a few things I'll kind of point you to, and that is that she's going to talk about building a story around your avatar. 
To me, that totally blew my mind because I talk about creating your avatar a lot, but I've never put it into a story. Wait till you hear Jasmine do it. It's pretty cool. Another thing she talks about is repelling and attracting your avatar through social media. I never really looked at things that way. So that was a huge aha moment for me, but I don't want to give it all away. I want you to hear it directly from Jasmine. And you'll also hear kind of what she's all about, how she got her start and how she got to where she is today. So we'll start that off right from the beginning of the interview. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and dive in. Jasmine, thank you so very much for being here. I'm so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be here, Amy. Thank you. This is going to be a treat for everybody listening. And I already talked a little bit about how I got here with you today and why I was totally blown away with your presentation at James Wedmore's Mastermind. But I want you to tell people, you know, today you're a branding and marketing strategist for creative entrepreneurs, but you haven't always been. So how did you get to where you are today? Well, I'm going to give you the short version, but if you'd like the longer one, we could do that over a glass of wine or okay. people can read my blog to get the long story. Okay. But in short, I started my photography business about 10 years ago and I didn't have qualifications, money. I didn't even own a camera. And so for all intents and purposes, people looked at me and said, poor thing, she wants to become <laughs> a photographer and she really doesn't know what she's doing. Now, they weren't too far off with that assessment, but what I did know I had the ability to do was over time improve my craft, and along the way, I created a brand, and I really learned to leverage social media marketing. And with that, about two and a half years after I started my business, I was voted one of the top 10 wedding photographers in the world. Wow. And I say that just because like, that's a really condensed version, but I, what I want to really show and encourage people, it's that it has so much more to do than just taking a photograph. It was about building an experience for my clients. And then shortly thereafter, photographers started asking, how can I do the same thing? So I started teaching photographers. And then over the years, other creative entrepreneurs, so marketers, travel agents, even lawyers, they were asking me, how do I create a personal brand? And for a while, I hid from it. I said, no, I'm really not in the position to help creatives do this. Or, you know, I, yeah. I only do this for photographers. And so I started shortchanging myself. And so then just recently, within the past year, I started putting together a curriculum that would apply to a creative entrepreneur in general, not just a photographer, because I do believe that I'm in a position to help people create a personal brand and then market it effectively using social media. So in February, we launched the Path to Profitability, and it is this website dedicated to helping creative entrepreneurs find their voice. Well, you've done an amazing job. And when I got introduced to you, one, I immediately fell in love. There's just so much about you that makes people feel extra special when they're around you. So I just want you to know that. And also you make people feel like they can do anything. And I think you really believe in those students that you teach and it comes out through everything you do. So I just wanted to give you a shout out first because that is the truth. But also you blew me away when we were at James's mastermind. And what happened was when you started to go through these five different, really valuable tips around growing your brand using social media, like I said in the intro, I thought I knew it all when it came to social media, which of course no one really knows it all. But I thought, you know, I probably know what she's going to teach. And then you blew me away because you have a different perspective of how you approach this or great reminders that if you've been at social media for a while, it's easy to forget some of the most important pieces of the puzzle to make it all work. So I was hoping we could go through these five key strategies that you taught in the mastermind and kind of dig into each of them. Are you cool with that? I'm totally cool with that. Okay. Thank you. Great. Okay. So number one, 
You suggested that we speak to our ideal client on social media. Talk to me about that one. Yes. And if you give me a chance, I'm going to back up one thing because like you had just mentioned is that there's no one person who knows everything about social media. And partly that's because trying to talk about social media strategies is like asking somebody to take a sip from a fire hose. Yes. You know, there's so much out there and it's constantly evolving. And so the tips that I really want to share with listeners today are tangible, actionable steps that people can take today. And then they can use it to grow with their strategy as their business progresses. So it's not about, Hey, this is it in its entirety. We're kind of like, let's grow together. Let's talk about these things. And I absolutely do believe that people, if when applying these strategies can really change the way that they interact. So on that note, I'm talking too much. So if you <laughs> no, can, you're not. You can pop right in anytime, girl, take a breath. We're okay. <laughs> you're like me. You get excited and we go I fast. Do. I do. No, no, we don't talk fast. People listen slow. You're so, so right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I got an amen from Amy Porterfield. My life is complete. There we go. Stop. Okay. So speak to your ideal client. Now, one, I was talking to an entrepreneur and the way she describes social media is like she's yelling into a void. Now, I understand that that's the feeling that people can have, but the only reason why it feels like a void is because some entrepreneurs don't know who they're talking to. So first things first, you want to know who you're talking to. And the best way to do this is to have your ideal client in mind. So my question to creative entrepreneurs in general is, do you know who that is? Because once you get into the mind of who you're speaking to, you understand her struggle and you understand the way that your product or services can help her, can make her life easier, or it can diminish a fear. That is such a powerful way to view social media. It's not about, hey, look what I'm doing. It should be more along the lines of how can my product or service help you? And that really fundamentally shifts the way that people should use it. Now, this is a big one for my audience because a lot of people that are just starting out, they might even be in business for a year or two, and they say, I don't know if I totally know my ideal avatar, and I'm not really sure what I need to do to make that happen. Okay. So before we kind of talk about who that person is or what the things that they should do, first, relieve yourself from that stress. Because the thing that you need to do is you need to speak to her or him in a way that will empower them to choose you over your competitors. And the way that you do that is not about talking about how great what it is that you do. You want to build trust. You want to make her life easier. You want to help her. Now, once you have that kind of in the forefront of your mind, you're going to find ways to service your clients in a different way. So I'm going to introduce you to a friend. Now, her name is Elle, and she lives in Manhattan Beach, California. She's married. She has two adorable boys, and she drives an oversized white SUV. But prior to ending up in Manhattan Beach, California, she grew up in Ojai, California, which is about mm, 35, 40 minutes from downtown Los Angeles. And she grew up on her father's goat farm, and he raised goats and he would milk the goats and she would run the fields with her goats. And along the way, she would collect wildflowers and herbs. And that became a huge part of our identity. And then as she grew older, she moved to downtown Los Angeles and she started creating organic goat milk soap. And on each bar of soap, she inlaid herbs and flowers. And it became a huge part of our identity. She got married. She moved to Manhattan Beach. And she now sells her goat's milk soap in a farmer's market in Manhattan Beach. Now, an opportunity arose for her. A buyer from anthropology was walking through the stalls and came across her soap and said, I want to carry your soap in anthropology. 
Now, the biggest decision Elle had to make was whether or not her business was streamlined, whether or not she'd built a brand, and whether or not she was able to leverage her marketing in a way to facilitate this request from anthropology. So the person I just introduced to you, my friend, is made up in my mind. Her name is Elle, and she is my ideal client. Okay. So first of all, I absolutely love this. And the reason why I wanted to have you on the show today is because I wanted my audience to hear about Elle more than anything else you're going to share. This is my favorite part because most of us, including me, do not have an avatar that is built out to that degree. And when I heard that, I thought, whoa, I feel like I could write so much better copy, better emails, better sales pages, better social media if I was that specific about my ideal customer avatar. So it kind of blew my mind. Well, thank you. But here's the thing. This is a point of differentiation because I'm sure many of your listeners know the idea. They know an exercise. So in order for people to understand who their ideal client is, well, what I did and what I encourage other entrepreneurs to do is to create a profile. But how? How do you create the profile? Well, I blogged an article. You can read it at jasminestarblog.com. And if you type in ideal client profile or ideal client, this should pop up. And there's a list of questions. Now, just to give you a better idea, it's like, where does your client live? How old is your client? Is your client married? What does your client do for a living? How much money does your client make in a year? So these questions must be answered. Now, here's the thing that I like to tell creative entrepreneurs specifically is once you have the answers to the questions, I don't know if that's enough. Because when you create a story around who it is you're speaking to, that person comes to life. You're not just checking a series of boxes. You're saying because of her history, because she's married, because her husband has a full-time job and gives her the latitude to have expendable income to use as she chooses, all of a sudden the copy that I write, the blog post that I'm engaging with sounds like I'm writing for one person. And in a way, I am. Everything I put out is to service L. But the thing I hear most often from creative entrepreneurs is their biggest worry. The largest trepidation is I don't want to speak to just one person because I'm worried about pushing everybody else away. Yes. Talk to me about that. Okay. So the way that I like to describe it, and I don't want to get all scientific and technical, but if you hearken back to your high school days, we learned about atoms. And in the center of an atom is a nucleus. But around a nucleus are a bunch of different types of I don't know, cells, organisms, whatever the heck we want to call them. I, like I said, I'm not very <laughs> technical. But if we think about this in different pieces, right? So the center, the core of that person, the nucleus, that's my L. But by talking to L, other people within the atom will resonate with that. But because I have such a clear vision of who I am speaking to, it appeals to other people. Now, I have yet to service or consult with a creative entrepreneur who actually has created a line of soap. I have yet to consult with a creative entrepreneur who is selling her items at a farmer's market or even has the potential of getting a contract from anthropology. But part of what is giving me encouragement is that there's an article written by Fast Company and they outlined how anthropology has identified their ideal client with such specificity. They know the smells that that client smells, the music that they should be pushing, how they need to be merchandising the store. Now, furthermore, not only do they have one ideal client, as you walk into anthropology, each section of the store, which is laid out in a grid into five or six sections, depending on the size of the store. Now, each subsection 
has an ideal client as well. And each of those subsections are actually components of their main ideal client. So there's so much freedom in knowing who you're speaking to and understanding you are not speaking to one person. Your copy and your craft and your story is for one person, but we have to know and trust and understand that that one person speaks to many. But without having that one person in mind, your message, your vision becomes diluted. Because when I was a photographer and I started my business in the beginning, I suffered from what I call like the photographer superhero complex, like where there's a wedding, I'll be there. (laughs) You know, like I wanted to service anybody. And then what I truly understood is once I created my ideal client, I knew how to service that ideal client with such specificity and care that other people saw it and said, I want that too. Oh, so many good things here. Let me break down kind of my big takeaways here. The first one is, you know, I mentioned earlier that I don't have an avatar that is so detailed as yours. And you hit it on the head where, yes, I have a list of all that stuff that you mentioned. And I'll make sure to link to Jasmine's article on her blog from my show notes so you guys can grab that. But what I don't have is the story and how it's all linked in the, you know, transformation maybe my avatar has gone through or this happened because of that. And I think that really rounds it out and takes it to an entirely new level that I've never experienced. So I'm excited about that. And I'm excited that my audience is going to kind of experience that as well with their own avatar. The well, next thing for giving me the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. The yeah. next thing I took away was the fact that you're talking about one very specific woman, L, and all these details about her, but that doesn't mean, or correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel I'm pretty confident here that it doesn't mean you're sitting down and writing a blog post and you're constantly talking about organic goat soap or anthropology or this husband she has and two boys. You're not necessarily referencing that stuff in your article. Am I right? Absolutely correct. Okay. I am not talking about those things. But however, the thing that I think about is that if Elle is a soap maker and she's an artisan and she cares about the thing and she finds value in her story and her family history, then I am empowered to write about my story, my family history, because why? I know it will appeal to her. That changes the scope. So that's a perfect segue into your really valuable strategy number two, and that is attract or repel. So talk to me about that. Okay. The nutshell version is love me, hate me. I don't care. Why? (laughs) Because I understand that every creative entrepreneur has competitors. Now, there are anywhere from like 10 to 10,000 people who do what you do. That means that customers have a choice. They can choose who to follow, who to support, and they can choose who to buy from. Now, I know we're probably very tempted to be everything to everyone. And as a result, we don't share our opinions. We don't share personal aspects of our lives. But when we do that, it just means that we blend in to everyone. If everybody's doing the same thing, you don't stick out. So I come from the school of thought that it is better. It is in your best interest for your business to do one of two things. You want to attract or you want to repel. So by saying, I'm going to attract somebody, you are going to understand how they see the world. And by and large, the more you put out, the more you're going to attract people to grow your tribe in a way that think and speak and feel and share commonalities. But you're also going to repel people who don't understand how you do what you do, why you do what you do, or simply they just don't really like much about you. And that's fine. So what happens is we always want to play things safe, but as an entrepreneur, the best thing you could do is grow your tribe 
in time. Dale Carnegie, I'm totally going to chop up his quote, but the premise is you will go farther being genuinely interested in two other people than trying to get 200 people interested in you. Mm. And social media, we do that. We think numbers, 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 but I don't want to be popular. I want to be profitable. And I will be more profitable with a smaller group of people who drank my Kool-Aid. Can I get an amen? Amen to that. <laughs> when you first talked about this at the Mastermind, the thing that like got my ears to perk up is you had mentioned, listen, I don't think everybody loves me posting pictures of my dog in costumes. And then you said, but Elle does. And right away I thought, oh my gosh. And you said, that's all that matters. If Elle likes it, I'm posting it. And so a lot of my students, including myself at times, we wonder like, should I post this? Is this a good idea? Are people going to think I'm weird? Are they not going to like it? And if you got really specific with your avatar and took it to the next level with the story, all you have to ask yourself from here on out is, is your avatar, when you give it a name, is your avatar going to like this or not? Yes or no? That's how you decide everything that you do on social media. Right. Exactly. And there's so much freedom in that because our whole life we were aiming to get out of like that high school cycle. Like I want to be everything to everyone. And finally you get to be an adult and you can express your creative freedom. And then we stop ourselves out of fear of what somebody would think. But if we find power in our ideal client, she would like it. He would like it. It's all good. I'm growing my tribe because social media grows the fastest and the strongest when people feel like they know you, they trust you and they get you. So very true. Okay. So I'm a huge fan of this whole strategy behind how you created L. And I love the idea of attracting or repelling. Ask yourself, does your avatar care? And if the answer is yes, you move forward and you're right. It gives you so much more freedom and creativity and you actually enjoy what you're doing. So it's a big one. Okay. So I'm moving us along. The next one is you want to choose your platform. Talk to me about that one. Once we've laid the foundation and once we know who we're speaking to, it's going to be very important for you to ask yourself one question. Where does your ideal client spend time on the web? Because we have to understand that with the plethora of options available, our ideal client is going to choose one or two platforms that she is the most comfortable with. Now, it's not important whether or not we like those platforms. We have to put ourselves in the shoes of our ideal client and say, where will she be hanging out? Because once you know where she's hanging out, where she's being social, where does she get her news? Where does she actively search for answers for her questions? Is she on Google? Is she on YouTube? Is she scouring Pinterest or Instagram? Where is she finding the answers to her questions? And once you answer those things, you want to get active there. So once you've chosen, I, I heavily suggest two or three platforms to be active on. I have chosen for my ideal client, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter in that order, because that's where I feel Elle will spend most of her time. Once I've chosen those three platforms, the thing I want to do is then kind of create a social media strategy about how to speak to her. So I've chosen to write blog posts based on how often I think she'll be reading. So I blog four or five times a week. Now, other creative entrepreneurs don't have to blog that often, but the key is to establish how many blog posts are you going to be posting a week? Then how many posts on Facebook are you going to be posting per day, per week? How many tweets? are you going to be sharing? How many images are you going to be sharing on Instagram? And then what you're going to do is you're going to be creating a schedule. Now, for my audience, I subscribe to the three to one ratio. So three, I call them three gives and one ask. 
a give is an insight into my personal life, or I'm sharing a funny video or an update, or yes, a photo of my dog wearing a Halloween costume. <laughs> now, I have one ask. One ask comes in the form of, I want them to visit a blog post. I want them to subscribe to my newsletter. I want them to make a purchase to come for a business summit or to buy an online course. So for every time I ask for something from the audience, I ensure that I'm giving three things. Because what happens is people have come to use social media as a constant stream of advertisements. Buy my widget. My widget's on sale. My widget comes in green. My widget has a write-up in the New Yorker. Okay, that's fine, but what are you giving to your audience in order to grow your audience? In order for you to grow your platforms and to attract more of your ideal client, you need to produce content with intentionality. I love it. I think it's, that is so well said. Now, when you were talking about choosing your platform, you also talked a lot about respecting the platform. So talk to me a little bit about what that means. Respecting the platform in essence is when you make an update to a platform, be in that platform. So a common mistake that I see a lot of entrepreneurs doing is they'll be an Instagram and then they link up Instagram to their Facebook profile and their Twitter profile. But what happens is that when the image goes into Facebook, it does not remain linked. So if you did an at mention to at Amy Porterfield, and I did that on Instagram, when that image, if I were to sync it up to Facebook, it does not automatically tag Amy's page. And so what happens is people visually just see text with the at sign and then at Amy Porterfield, but it doesn't go anywhere. So people know visually that you are not in the platform when you created that update, which makes people feel like you're not in their space, speaking to them in the way that they want to be spoken to. Furthermore, if you link up Instagram and Twitter, studies have shown it's like a 17% click-through rate when somebody posts an Instagram photo to Twitter. But the click-through rate when you actually upload a photo directly to the Twitter platform is somewhere in the ballpark of plus 78%. Wow. So it's a big difference, but that's because people think that where you're speaking is where you're dwelling. That's the thing that you need to make sure that you're doing. I think that is a fantastic tip. And I've started to do that where if I do link up Instagram and Facebook, I always jump over to Facebook. It takes two seconds and fix that there. So one question I have for you is because you're posting a certain number of times a day on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, do you use a scheduling tool? That's a really great question. By and large, I don't. Now, there are times when I go on vacation and I have strategically outlined blog posts that I really want people to know and be a part of. But because my ratio, so to be clear, my ratio on Facebook is three to one. My ratio on Twitter is about three to one. Now, my ratio on Instagram is I just post once a day. And so for every like fourth day, even though it's not as strategic, I'll feel comfortable asking for an ask. But by and large, I'm staying with what is pretty normal on those platforms. Now, there are people who link up their Twitter and Facebook platforms and people tweet so much more than they do use Facebook. And so what happens is if you're updating to Facebook, Facebook's not really meant to be updated more than three or four times a day because right. it's just so slow moving. I do use TweetDeck if I'm on my computer to update Twitter, but if I'm on my phone, I'm within the Twitter app. And I do believe that Elle appreciates real-time updates. Like, she wants to see where I'm at, which is why I think platforms like Snapchat and Periscope are doing so well and growing with such intensity is because there has become a veneer on Facebook and especially on Instagram that everything is so perfect. Like the cappuccino you're drinking, it's that perfect all the time. 
You know, your outfit right. that you're wearing, your outfit of the day, you look that hot all the time. And in reality, that's not the case, which is why there has become such a demand and like hunger to see people in real time, which is why Snapchat and Periscope have done great things because you can't pre-schedule. So it, there's so much more truth behind it. But I know that at this point in time, I enjoy those platforms and I use them, but I do not leverage them in a business capacity because I don't think L is there. Oh, interesting. Because I, I love watching you on Snapchat, but I know you don't do it a lot. And your thought is, look, it's fun. I'm going to play with it. I like the real time aspect of it, but Elle's probably not there yet. So it's not going to get a huge focus. Yes, because um, the demographic for Snapchat is definitely younger and I enjoy it. And to me, that's kind of like a play platform. Like I don't really have to push a lot of like my current platforms in that direction. Right there for me yet. It's not ready for me yet. But on a personal front, yes, I mean, I take pictures of my dog and I even like Snapchat that I was going to be on the podcast today. So yeah, it's silly. But again, I'm not using it strategically for business quite yet. What is your dog's name? My dog's name is Polo. Oh my gosh. Polo is the cutest little thing ever. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Amy. It's like very creepy. <laughs> I'm a little obsessed with them too. You guys, if you want to see Polo, you got to go check out. Well, I'm sure Polo's all over your social media, but he's really shining on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so in your, your Jasmine star on Instagram, right? I am. Okay. So you guys have to check it out. If you're a dog lover, like we are definitely Polo is a cutie pie. Okay. So we've got one more and that is that when we were at the mastermind, you taught us that you don't want to speak to your audience, but you want to grow your audience. And as you know, on my podcast, we like to make it really tactical. Like what do you do to get the results that you want? So I know you've got some tactical strategies here that you can teach. Absolutely. So the how is always the hard part. When I have attended conferences or have heard other podcasts, people say, oh, this is what you should do. But they leave out that component of the how. So I want to just start the conversation about the hows. But in your blog comments, if people have questions about how to further it or tailor it towards their industry, what they're doing, I'd be more than happy to tap in later for that too. But first and foremost, what could pertain to any creative entrepreneur is to create a list of daily activities. So if you go to my website, my business website, which is the path to profitability.com, you will be able to sign up for a free social media marketing guide. And in that guide, you have a list of activities. So you're going to list your platforms. So for instance, my three platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter in that order. And then I create a list of activities that I have to do for each of those platforms every day. For example, every morning I need to check my Facebook notifications. If people have written on my wall, I need to respond. Overnight, people in Europe will participate. I need to make sure that I'm responding back to them on Twitter. Or if people have liked my photo on Instagram, I try every so often to create a list of three to four people who have recently liked a photo. I'll go over to their profile and like their photo or leave a comment. So you know, it's always about reciprocity when it comes to social media. Also, in order for you to create conversations with your followers, it's important for you to actually start the conversation. So if you're always just making a statement when it comes to social media, like I am walking my dog, people don't know how to respond to that because there isn't a response. But if you were to say, I'm walking my dog at sunset and I'm debating whether or not I should put a scarf on him. That is invited people. I know. And you know what? My dog doesn't have one. He has like four scarves. And we live in California, Amy. There's no need for a scarf. I'm dying. Okay. There's no need for a scarf. And you know what I'm doing right now to your audience? I'm doing one of two things, Amy. I'm attracting or repelling. There are people who are listening to this be like, I cannot stand this girl. Who puts a scarf on their dog? And then there's other people who are like, where do you get your scarves? Boom. What I love about you saying that is that 
I think that you are a really sensitive girl. Like I feel like you're so sweet to everybody and you're so approachable, but then you've kind of got this badass side to you that you're like, look, love me or hate me. And I think we all need to get there. I don't think I'm there yet. So I really respect it in other people because I think it's so important. We can't please everybody. And that is so exhausting when we try to. Absolutely. And the thing is, Amy, and this is part of the reason why I feel so, well, I mean, I am genetically predisposed to having this attitude because like my, my mom's a Puerto Rican and my dad, it was like a <laughs> member of like the USMC. Right. So it's like, <laughs> I, I have an attitude and I'm hardworking and I'm super loyal. So those things are already there. But what I learned the hard way, Amy, and I'll be extraordinarily honest is for a while, I started my business knowing these tenements, I will attract or repel. And somewhere along the line, the platforms got much bigger and more eyes were on what I was doing. And I suffered from, I want to be everything to everyone at all times. And I stopped adhering to this thing that I so adamantly believed and I lost my way. I, lo- I didn't know what I wanted to post. I made poor decisions. I was so constantly hurt of what people were saying or thinking about me. And I realized here I am trying to make everybody like me. And the results are the same. There are people who still don't like me. Yes. No matter what you do, you will always have resistors. So why not choose to say, this is me, love me, hate me, or look the other way? And the thing about the internet is what we put out, this content, by and large, is a vehicle for conversations, and a lot of it is free. How much do people pay for your podcast? That's right, nothing. You don't like it? Tune away, boo. Nobody's <laughs> forcing you to come. Nobody's forcing you. You don't like it? Go the other way. But if you are going to say something negative, spell my name right and give me a link, because I will take the traffic. Thank you. Moving <laughs> on. Moving on. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think this is my new way of going. Okay, I'm going to send you a bumper sticker. Don't like it? Look the other way. <laughs> Perfect. No, you have to say boo part. That makes me sound okay. really cool. Okay, it does. Who are we getting? <laughs> I love it. Okay, so keep going because you've got a few more kind of tactical stuff yes, in yes. order so, to don't speak to your audience, but grow your audience. You want to create a list of daily activities. So you want to keep yourself accountable and have a checklist to know that, yes, you are on the same page with what your audience is expecting. You want to start conversations, not marketing campaigns. Because what's happening, you want to just make sure that you're listening to what your audience wants, servicing them in a way that they want to be serviced, and then having very jocular, fun things along the way. You also want to be intentional. What happens is I see people kind of go through a flurry, right? So they'll post three photos for four days on Instagram. And then there's this huge gap of silence. That's not creating a conversation within the platform in a way that people are accustomed or used to. You also want to show off and being okay. And this goes back to the attractor appell. You want to show off the not so pretty. Obviously you want to keep things in a professional way all the time. But when it comes across as your life is overly curated, like every outfit is beautiful. Every cappuccino is beautiful. Your child never, you know, smears Cheerios onto the floor, you know, and your house is clean all the time. If that's the thing that you're showing, you're going to kind of create resistance to people starting conversations because what you seem almost online unattainable. And online social media is not about creating levels of distinction. It's about creating a quality and like, oh, hey, we're friends just separated by a computer. You know, I got to tell you a quick story that just came to mind. And in one of my Facebook groups, we had this situation where I posted a picture of my computer with my Steelers coffee mug. That's all my husband, Steelers coffee <laughs> mug beside the computer. And I said, this is what my workday looks like today. And I don't take great pictures. So it was not glamorous at all. And I said, everyone show me your workspace for the day. 
And so people in the group were just showing all these fun things. And some of them were super glamorous on the beach, you know, taking a day off. And others were just like in a dark office and they're working away. The gamut kind of ran across everything, which was really cool. And then one woman posted a picture of a really great little scene with her computer and something on her computer screen and a little coffee mug and a little flower pot next to it. And it was adorable. And then right after that, somebody posted, a guy posted and said, you know, hmm, your computer looks really familiar because it's a stock photo. And, oh. Yeah. And so he posted the same stock photo with something different on the screen. Oh. So she was great. And she's like, made some excuse like, oh gosh, what was I thinking? Here's the real picture. But what I looked at that, I'm trying to be more compassionate than judgmental these days. And I yeah. looked at that and I thought, what's so sad about that is that woman felt like she needed to show something really great versus what's really real. And, you know, if she's listening or if there's anyone else there that feels like I only should put out the good stuff that kind of looks like stock photo or don't put it out at all. If you're following what Jasmine is teaching you here and you start to not care about the people that don't even matter to your brand, and I mean, don't care if they like you or not like you or whatever, you won't be compelled to do something like that. And that's an extreme for sure. And I felt so bad for her and I hated that the guy called her out, but at the same time, if people are feeling like they can only post stock photos and that's what we all want to see, they're definitely wrong. Would you agree? I totally would. And the point in seeing that is I don't, I find zero humor and I don't think that he did it to be humorous. I find my heart just aches with compassion. Yes. Because I see so much of myself, the temptation. Yes. Wanting to put something out like that because when you see what other people are doing, but the barometer of success isn't measured by how good your space is. The barometer of success is how happy and fulfilled you are. So if you're sitting with your child's dirty diaper next to you and a pile of laundry and the smell of burnt eggs because your kids ran off to school and you are happy, rock that out. Because no matter how beautiful your workspace is, if you aren't happy, you're living an unfilled life. I feel bad. I feel yes. bad for that. And, and it always can change. So if you're feeling like you need to only show the good stuff because you're not happy inside, maybe it's time to look at yourself and do a little work there. And we all can do it. So Absolutely. we've all been there. Do a little work on yourself so that every time you post, you're proud of what you post, no matter how sexy or fun or beautiful it looks, we just want to be as real as possible. And I love that you brought up Snapchat and Periscope and, and all the real-time video kind of things because you're right. It really is showing the real stuff. I feel like I've gotten to know people at a level that's almost uncomfortable sometimes, right? but I right? love every minute of it because of Snapchat and Periscope and all that good stuff. So absolutely, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there more. So like you said, like from a place of compassion that it doesn't have to be that way and we're not looking for perfection and your audience sure as heck doesn't want it. I think when I'm honest and tell the truth, like when I'm telling you guys, like, I thought I had my avatar down, but I don't have a story. I think my audience likes to hear that. Like, all right, yeah. good. She's just like us, which of course I definitely am. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So good stuff. All right. So I think we're at a place that we can wrap it up. I have to tell you, this has been so fun. I had every ounce of me knowing that it was going to be a great podcast episode because I love spending time with you and I love learning from you. So thank you so much for coming on here and sharing all this. Thank you, Amy. And the feeling is mutual. Every time we chat, even if it's like very, very, very short, I feel like I'm walking away with like real, just like hope. And I know that that's a thing that you can't like can or muster, but because I'm very actionable, like I said, my daddy was a Marine, my mom's a Puerto Rican. So we're going to kind of like set out like a little bit of boot camp for your listeners. I want people to be 
committed to intentionality. So for the next 30 days, can we have your audience try something? Yes, let's do it. Scheduled to be proactive. Can you create and be committed for the next 30 days so you get to set your terms? If you only want to blog once a week, that's fine. I encourage you to blog at least once a week because it'll get people into the habit of visiting your website, which is ideal because you want your website to be indexed and Google searchable. So you have to give people a reason to go to the domain that you own. So commit to blogging at least once a week. Then I want you to schedule social media patterns. You don't have to schedule the updates, but just the patterns. So do you commit to updating your Facebook once a day or twice a day? What about Instagram? Can you commit to Instagram once every day or once every other day. So you figure out what your pattern is. And then after the 30 days, you're going to reassess your approach. You're going to look at what posts did really well. Did people really like the behind the scenes? Did people like a selfie? Did people like a promotional product? Because once you can assess a month's worth of hard work, then you can say, my audience wants to see more of this and less of this. And then once you know that, you're going to speak with intentionality because you have your ideal client. And then you're going to speak with confidence because you know that that's what your audience wants to see more of. So 30 days, that's what we want to do. Social media with intention. I love it. And I love a good challenge. So thank you so much for that. We're going to do it guys. So Jasmine, where can people learn more about you? Cause I know they're going to want to check out your website and all your social media channels. So where can they find you? They can find me at jasminestar.com. And I have an educational site, which is the path to profitability.com. And that's where you can get the free social media marketing guide, which is kind of just like an addendum to the things that we have spoken out today, but also exercises listed. So you can actually take action. And on social media, you'll be able to find me on Jasmine star. Perfect. I'm going to link to a lot of good things in the show notes guys. So you'll be able to find that. But again, thanks a lot, Jasmine, for being here. I can't wait till you return and add even more good stuff to the podcast. I'll hold you to it. All right. Take, Take care. So there you have it. Hopefully you enjoyed my interview with Jasmine Starr as much as I enjoyed it. She's such a special girl, but even more so, she's so incredibly talented when it comes to social media and branding specifically. So she's someone you definitely want to check out. Now, Jasmine actually talked about a few really good articles during our interview, and I've linked to all of them inside of my show notes. So if you go to amyporterfield.com, forward slash one zero six, you'll be able to access the article Jasmine wrote about creating your ideal client profile. You'll access the article Jasmine talked about from anthropology and all about their ideal client, such a good article. And then also I'm going to link you to the path to profitability where Jasmine has a free social media guide that you can check out as well. So don't miss those show notes again, amyporterfield.com forward slash one zero six. Now, one more thing before I jump off, and that is that next week in episode 107 and the following week in episode 108, I'm going to be doing a two-part podcast series all about creating online training courses. I'm really excited because it's almost time to launch my free masterclass all about creating online courses. And before I do that, I want to teach you some really important content. I'm going to start out with how should you actually figure out the price of your online course. I've got an entire mini training all about pricing your products. And that's coming up in episode 107. So don't miss it. I'll see you next week. Thanks again for being here. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.